We are carrying on in Matthew, in chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, and from verse 15, says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times, or seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And trust God will bless the reading of his word this evening. We come this evening to this um, passage in Matthew and it's quite, a, it's quite a tricky passage. It's quite a challenging passage I've found as I've looked at it and it really makes us look within and uh, take a look at ourselves and, and see if we really measure up to the standards that are in here and if, if we're honest or if I'm honest with myself then quite often we don't but it's something that we need to, to really think about and, and consider. And this comes off the back, this is all in the same section, the same uh, time that the Lord was talking, uh, followed on from last week. Uh, where he was talking about them having childlike faith and then becoming like little children to believe and then on to the parable of the lost sheep. So in that context, we 
come on to this part about uh, the sin of a fellow brother against you. And we can see right from the start of the church in the book of Acts that God takes sin within the church seriously. It's not something that we should be uh, flippant about. It's not something that we should uh, go easy on. It's something that, that God sees as serious and so we should too. If you remember uh, Annas and Sapphira when, in the book of Acts when they uh, lied about the amount that they sold their property for and that they were going to give to the Lord, the, the consequences to them for, for sinning there was death. And that was a sign from God to show just how seriously he took those matters. And so sin within the church or within the assembly and disagreements is something that, that God takes seriously and wants to be sorted out properly. And I believe in this context here, because he's been talking to the disciples and telling them that they've got to be like, like children, to have childlike faith, to believe, it, it carries on into this passage here that just like children still following that example, then that they still, people still need to be disciplined. There still needs to be discipline within the church, just like you would discipline a child. If you love your child, the Bible tells us, then you will discipline your child. Because if you just tell a child not to do something, but there are no consequences for them not going against you, then you'll soon find out that your children will just do whatever you like. And no matter how many times you tell them not to do something, they'll still do it. There needs to be a consequence to their actions, some sort of discipline for them not to carry on doing that or to learn that it's best not to. And that's the same here in the way that sin is to be dealt with within the assembly when it comes between brothers. There, there are consequences to our sin. And the example given here is a brother has sinned against you. Now, the word brother there can can include sisters as well. It can be male or, or female, where somebody else who in the assembly, uh, the word used is church, but it's really sort of a, a gathering like we have here in assembly that is in view here. And when someone has sinned against you, then you are to make sure that you go and you get this sorted out. Because we read elsewhere, don't we, in Corinthians, that we're not to let sin come into uh, the assembly or to uh, diminish what goes on in the assembly by coming in like leaven in the bread. And these aren't just, uh, you know, petty disagreements. These aren't just like minimal things where you might disagree on something. Um, these, are, these are serious things. This is where the sin, it's not just a personal sin. We all have that issue, don't we? Where we have our own personal sin our thoughts or things we do or things we don't do that we then need to ourselves as we we read in 1 John need to confess our sins ourselves and have these forgiven before the Lord it's not not those things that are in consideration here it's where something you've done has or someone else has done to you has affected you their sin is causing uh, angst or, or something against you or causing disruption within the assembly or the church that this then needs to carry out. And the Lord gives some 
very simple steps to follow in order to get this resolved. And initially it's to be kept between the two people that the sin has occurred, the, the one would go to the other, the one that has been wronged would go to the other and uh, say, look, what you've done has, has upset me or has caused this pain against me and try to get things sorted there and then. And if that works and then they are uh, brought back together again and that love is restored, then all is well. But if he does not listen, we're told in verse 16, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established. And, oh, sorry, just back on the first, but keeping it within just the two people, it's best if these things can be stopped you know, at source, because the last thing you want is for something that doesn't need to get out to everyone, getting out to everyone. You don't want to stop the rumour mill going round or things escalating or too many people getting involved. And uh, an example of that is in Proverbs 25 verse 9. It says, argue your case with your neighbour himself and do not reveal another secret. And so the idea there is that it's best if it's kept between the two of you and it can be nipped in the bud and then the problem won't spread to everybody else and cause an overhang of the pain. But if this doesn't work, then two or three witnesses are to be uh, called upon. And then we, we get that example back in Deuteronomy 19 and verse 15 says, A single witness shall not suffice against a person for any crime or for any wrong in connection with any offence that is committed. Only on the evidence of two witnesses or of three witnesses shall a charge be established. Now, the idea here isn't that somebody's committed a crime and you need two or three witnesses to find that have witnessed what happened. The idea is that you need the two or three witnesses there to see that you have gone and you have tried to reconcile with this person. That's what they're witnessing, the fact that you've tried to reconcile with them and to try and help the other person see that, look, you're trying to sort this matter out and you want this sorted, you don't want it to go any further and you want to just uh, get this sin put behind and forgiveness to be uh, brought in and to be sorted before the Lord and the, the witnesses. But again, if the person refuses and does not listen, then it becomes a matter for the church. If this, this uh, brother or sister is unwilling to repent or unwilling to reconcile their differences and it becomes a matter for the church and these these are very difficult circumstances it's not uh, something any of us want to experience and people that have it's not a nice time or nice when these things happen but uh, the Lord gives us the example here of what should happen and if still this person is unrepentant or unwilling to resolve then they are to be uh, to be uh, put put out or to to sent out. Uh, it's to be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. And and for the Jews, the Gentiles and the tax collectors, they were like the the lowest of the lows, those who opposed God, who went against everything God uh, stood for. And so that's what this person was to then be like to be uh, put out. And we see. From, from the Bible as a whole, that the whole emphasis here is on restoration. It's not, the Lord isn't telling them this because he wants them to go around 
and to spy on everyone and to have a look on everybody's business, to go knocking on the Parkinson's door or set up CCTV outside to see if they say or do anything wrong and we're going to get them when they do. It's for genuine where, where things have happened and you really want to restore the love back. The, the whole idea here uh, in verse 15 where it says, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. And that word gained is really the, the restoration feeling. The idea here is just like that parable of the lost sheep that's gone before. You want to restore a brother back to the assembly. That's the goal. You're not to go in there all guns blazing and as so often when our, our human pride comes in we think oh so you never guess what so and so has done. Can't believe they've done that. And our pride comes in. It makes us feel a bit better about ourselves in a, in a twisted kind of way because that person slipped up and we haven't. It's not what it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be about restoring the love and the peace and the unity back with your fellow brothers and sisters. And so that's the spirit that this has been told in by the Lord here, to try and restore them back, just like the parable of the lost sheep that he's just told, and everybody can, can be back, and the love and the unity restored within the, the gathering or the assembly. So then... The Lord goes on to say, Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And what he's saying here is, in this context of, of sin and, and being dealt with, that whatever you have sorted out while you're here on heaven, if you have your sins forgiven while you're here on heaven and you're, you're loosed from sin, from the, the power of sin, from being bound to sin, then you'll also be loosed in heaven and you'll have that place in heaven. So it's better to get things resolved and sorted out while you're here on earth rather than leave it until it's too late. And verse 19 goes on saying, Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And again, the whole idea of this passage here is, is restoration and agreement. And uh, here he's talking about uh, when the idea, I think, is when, when in prayer, when you're going to prayer and you're thinking about what you're going to pray about, if you're in agreement between you, that you're all praying for the same thing, that you want the same thing, that's in, in line with the Lord's will, then uh, it will be done by my Father in heaven. And then we have that verse that we quite often use, um, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. And we often use that and we often say that. I've often said it myself in prayer, but really, the context really here is in this whole restoration situation where the Lord, if you really want to get things right and you want to get things sorted, then and you're doing it with the right mindset and in line with the Father's will, then, then the Lord is there with you. Quite often we use it in a context of like our prayer meetings now where we'd say that the Lord is with us and that is true, the Lord is with us. Even if we're at home on our own and we're praying in our closet, then the Lord is still there with us. But the context here is really in this restoration situation. If you follow these steps that the Lord has laid out, then, then he'll be with you and things will hopefully go well if it's in line with his will. And then... As if to really drum this point home, the Lord gives another parable to, to show an example of this. We've had the lost sheep, thinking of that restoration, and now we have an example of 
of how, how these things can, can fall apart easily and how, how easily we can let our pride get in the way and humanly slip up. And here we have this parable, and it starts by Peter asking a question. There's been quite a long discourse by the Lord here with no interruption. But now Peter, something comes to his mind and he says, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Now, um, don't really know why Peter picks seven as the amount of times, but he, he probably thinks he's been quite generous on himself to say, well, if I forgive someone seven times, then, you know, surely that's enough. I'm doing well there. But the Lord says, I do not say to you seven times, but 70 times seven, which uh, for those mathematicians out there comes to 490, I believe. Um, but the idea here isn't that it's 490 times and the 491st, that's all right. You don't have to worry about forgiving them anymore. The, the Lord's using hyperbole here. He's, he's blowing it out of proportion to show that you should always forgive. If someone uh, is there and, and comes to you and, and repents and wants to be forgiven, then we should always be of a forgiving heart. We should always be forgiving to those, especially our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. We should be forgiving people. And he uses this parable to give an example of this. And the parable goes that there's a man and he owes this great debt to the king. Um, yeah, to the king. And his debt is 10,000 talents. Now, a talent was valued in those times at about 6,000 drachmas. You have to bear with me for a minute here. I've got a bit excited with my numbers. Um, and 6,000 drachmas is the equivalent to about 20 years work back in those days. 20 years work. So that works out at about 30,000, about 300 drachmas is a year's pay. So equivalent in our times, if we say there's a salary of about 30,000 pound is an average for a year, then 600,000 pound would be the equivalent to one talent so 10,000 talents that is going to be around about six billion pounds okay in our modern terms so again you see here that the lord's using this hyperbole again this is a debt that cannot be paid it's, it's an insurmountable bet debt there's no way that this servant and his family are going to be able to pay in modern terms a six billion pound debt off to the king and so there's no way that this man can pay it. The king decides that the only thing for it is to sell him and his family and just cut his losses, basically. Sell the minor slaves to someone else and cut his losses. But the man pleads with him to have patience and I'll pay everything, even though there's clearly no way he's ever going to pay it. And so the king, he forgives him this debt, this debt that he can never pay, this insurmountable debt, of a ridiculous amount of, of money, he can't pay it, but he's completely forgiven the whole debt. And this man, he, he's released and he's free. Not only is his debt being cleared, but he's no longer a slave. He's no longer a servant. He's free to go off with his family and do what he wants. And immediately it says that he goes out and he finds someone else who owes him some money. Now this person 
and he owes him a hundred denarii, which is roughly, I won't go for all the maths again this time, but it's roughly about £10,000, say, in equivalent terms, about, about a third of a year's wage. So compared to what he owed to the man, this is, this is peanuts, it's pennies. It's absolutely nothing in comparison to what he owed the king. But instead of uh, letting this man be released of his debt like he was, he demands the money from him and gets him thrown into jail, into debtor's prison, because he can't pay the debt. And the fellow servants, the people who he used to work with, they hear about this and they go and report it back to the king and say, you forgave this man this debt and he's gone out and he's got somebody else locked up in jail because they couldn't pay him these pennies. And so he gets called this wicked servant in verse 32, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me and should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you. And in his anger, he gets delivered to the jailers again. And the Lord says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so what's the Lord trying to tell us here? Well, we all have had that insurmountable debt, haven't we? That debt of our sin, that wages of our sin is death. We could never repay that. There was nothing we could do to have our sin dealt with ourselves. We could never repay it. And God, he paid the price for us, didn't he? By sending the Lord Jesus to die on the cross for us. And we had that debt completely cleared and we are free. We're no longer slaves to sin because we trusted in the Lord Jesus. And so we and the disciples who he's talking to, we and our fellow brothers and sisters should be forgiving so often. And I've been guilty of this. I'm not preaching at you here. I'm, I'm just telling you what, what I've learned from this for myself. So often we are not so forgiving on other people. We do have those moments where we look down on people and think, oh, I can't believe so-and-so did that or I can't believe they've done this or so can you believe so-and-so said this about me or said this to me? And we're not forgiving in our hearts. We're not always forgiving. People can do the slightest thing to us but if we turn around and we think about all that we've been forgiven by God, all the things that we have done wrong and we still continue to do in our sin against God, that's all been paid for, then we should be much more forgiving to the people around us. And if we do that, then those steps that are needed in the first part of the passage won't be needed because we won't be sinning against each other. We won't be... Uh, doing things against our fellow brothers and sisters that cause conflict and cause sin to come into the assembly because we all have that loving, forgiving, caring heart just like the Lord had for us. And so the whole emphasis really on these, these two sections here is, is to be forgiving and loving and to keep the unity uh, amongst the assembly and amongst those around each one of us. <clears throat> and I think that's all I've got to say so we'll, I'll just pray and then we can um, turn to prayer God and Father we just thank you for this passage that we've been able to read this evening we do just pray that you'd help us to take these things to heart help us to really understand them and realise a need for us to 
make sure that we're, we're forgiving, caring people, that we're not those who will point the finger or point the blame, that we'll look to have issues resolved and, and sorted and to be kept within uh, the, the confines of, of our brotherly and sisterly love. Lord, help us with this, we pray. Help us to be those people that are like the Lord Jesus, following his ways and following his footsteps. Lord, we just uh, pray now you be with us as we turn to prayer. Help us to, to be of like mind and to uh, seek thy will in all that we ask for and petition for, Lord. So we just ask this now, and uh, we just ask for your help in this, for asking in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen.